Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe Podcast Network, SoCal Sweat. My name is Ann McDaniels, a former NFL cheerleader and product manager turned actress and model who dreams of being a UFC fighter. Yow. Learning strategies to help motivate others leads me to bring you interviews each week from a range of athletes, experts in fitness and nutrition, and so much more. Thanks for listening to Believe, the number one podcast for working professionals. And let's push our endorphins to higher performance through SoCal Sweat. This is your host, Ann McDaniels, and thank you so much for joining me on another episode of SoCal Sweat. Now, have you ever been in a place where you're feeling unfulfilled despite success and maybe tired of feeling stuck? Well, after playing and later coaching NHL hockey, my guest, Justin Rothingschofer, felt the very same thing. From playing for the National Hockey League to becoming a performance director in the NCAA and NHL, Justin has 12 plus years in the performance, health, nutrition, and mindset space. He also runs a private camp for pro hockey players and works with some of the busiest CEOs. You can find his three books on body development and fitness from the Amazon bestsellers category. His Own It manual has launched his wellness and entrepreneurial coaching business entitled Own It with his powerhouse of a wife, Elise Golan. Listen as Justin talks about his own biohacking and research, paired with his time in the pros, that can help us all achieve at a much higher level. Introducing Justin Rothlingshofer of the NHL and lots of coaching. How are you today in New York City? Oh, I am fantastic. How are you, Anne? Good. Justin's in the East Village and he just newly got engaged to a gorgeous woman. They went to Punta Cana. I wish you such wonderful adventures together and congrats. Thank you so much. Now, what does your beautiful bride do? She um, actually was uh, a uh, executive um, at Christian Louboutin for oh, sure. um, the last uh, the last eight years, and um, just recently, uh, over the past uh, the past year, has come over to uh, own it with myself full time, um, really utilizing uh, her talents. She's a um, inner energy coach specifically, uh, helping with, uh, a lot of, uh, the way people communicate, self-talk, uh, mindset, if you will, and utilizing that inner energy. Yeah. And we can kind of get into how we combine both inner and outer energy together within own it, uh, to help create a more holistic, um, uh, tech as well as um, bio individual compared with or combined with uh, higher level consciousness uh, throughout our entire coaching practice and uh, company which we um, work with teams companies um, and people uh, globally so it's been it's been a lot of fun putting this together with her because um, she's an absolute rock star in uh, um, in her own right as well. Well, plus coming from the high fashion Louboutin space and working with European clients and all of the high end buyers, I'm sure she has so much experience to bring to the table on behavioral methods, everything like that. So yeah, it's incredible to talk with her when, um, she gets into that space and starts to talk about the, 
the habits of people and the way in which uh, people start to assimilate together, the energies in which they share, um, the the energies in which separate people uh, as well, and um, affect the way in which you as a person are able to show up day in and day out, given um, just the the sheer energy level that you resonate at. So it's it's really transformational the work that she does. Um, and, uh, and the way in which she does it, she's got a massive gift for, um, allowing people to really allow their walls to come down yeah. and, uh, look intrinsically while still being very, um, objective in being able to, uh, be willing to hear and, uh, dig a little deeper, um, in and of themselves. So she's just, she's extremely, uh, gifted and talented when it comes to that aspect of it. And the two of you together, I'm sure, are a powerhouse. Now, um, I'm very interested in how you started. I mean, the, the biggest thing about you was I was super attracted to the NHL, the fact all your work in the NHL. And if this is a podcast, but I'm looking directly into his office at all of his amazing hockey jerseys. I'm like completely nerding out. It's awesome. <laughs> um, tell me about your background and interests before you even went into this industry of your own sports and fitness and nutrition. Yeah, that's a great question. So my story is very unique. <laughs> I, um, I became obsessed with uh, human enhancement, human performance, human optimization, how you could manipulate the body um, at a very young age, I think, probably the age of 12. Um, and a lot of people are going to say, well, at 12 years old, like, you really don't even know the difference between right and wrong at that age, let alone <laughs> really right. diving into like human optimization. And it, it comes back to an obsession that I had of um, making it to the National Hockey League as a player. And that, that drive, that relentlessness to win and succeed, um, uh, while also now noticing it as understanding a little bit more of, uh, of genetics and epigenetics, where I had uh, very much that warrior gene, um, that uh, that very addictive gene, and um, I do have very addictive tendencies. So I just I just know that about myself. And it, there was one summer specifically where um, I had always kind of grown up as a, a bit of a not an overweight kid. I don't want to say I was fat, but I was just um, I I was a late bloomer in every aspects of the word. I uh, didn't have a growth spurt until uh, 14. I uh, was short. Um, and so I was just kind of storing up body fat, waiting to kind of grow up. I just had, I had a very uh, baby face until I was like even 26, 27 years old. And, uh, and um, I, I still remember I started training with uh, a group of all our AAA guys uh, at the age of 12 and um, my body started to change a little bit. I started to lean out, started to see some abs pop out and it was that one summer that it transformed everything because I, um, I, I couldn't tell you how much weight I lost. I couldn't tell you um, what I started at. What I, I was 12. You never track that stuff. But I knew there was a massive transformation in my body because when I went back to season at, um, in September at that 13, as that 13 year old, people didn't recognize me. They were like, Justin, oh my God, Justin, oh my God. And, and the girls, 
yeah, you started to get more attention. And, and all of a sudden I started to go like, I didn't think of myself as there was anything wrong with me before. And then I started to go, Oh my God, what was wrong with me? <laughs> I was fat. And I started to get like a little bit of a complex and that interest level, that obsession to perform and play became so obsessive in the other direction where I actually went and um, you could call it exercise bulimia. You could call it anorexia. You could call it whatever you want. Um, but it really started to, it, it affected me greatly. And um, at 13 years old, I weighed in around 127 pounds. And by 14, I weighed 94. And about 5'9". Wow. How tall are you now? About just shy of six feet. Okay. And, um, and so what was, what was amazing is that everything that I did was very calculated. I, all these biohacks that you're learning now about sleeping in cold temperatures, cold showers, um, uh, intermittent fasting, um, uh, biohacking the gut biome, um, the, uh, vegetarian cycles that you can go through the veganism that can come out. Um, I started that at 13 years old and it was simply due to the fact it was the, it was the underlying fear of going backwards to what I was, even though I didn't truly know what I was then. And so that's what I said. You could call it whatever you want, but it was exercise bulimia that I had that fear of what was, what I could have gone back to. And thus I was that kid now that was, tracking heart rate whenever I could. I was tracking sleep cycles with um, brainwave analyzers. I was using pulse oximeters everywhere I went. And it became- How stressful for you was your child. (laughs) Incredibly, it it became this- What about your parents? Did they they recognize any signs and symptoms? Oh, my my parents were absolute godsends. And I I look back on it, what I put them through, and it's just like, what are you doing? Wow. Uh, My dad actually, going back to this is they, they, they obviously saw it and they, they, they talked with me. Um, they tried to do all this. I, I have to, I have to add though, during all this, my performance in anything that I did never fit, never dropped off. I still played triple A hockey. I still played, I was drafted um, as a 14 year old to the Western league. I was getting uh, scholarship interest. Um, I was, a 4.0 GPO student, um, but I became from being this very outgoing, um, charismatic 12, 13 year old, I became this very intrinsic, very um, uh, shy, very um, introverted 14, 15, 16 year old um, that was a complete transformation of who I was. And what became even more interesting after that was, um, like I said, my parents, they, they took me to psychologists, they took me to um, eating disorder clinics, and I was sitting around looking at these kids that were in there, and I'm just like... You don't fit in. Exactly. This isn't me. I mean, Not in the mind. We've, yeah. got, we've got a room, a room full of people that can't even get up to go to school. You can overachieve not. at that level. It's almost like you're being rewarded. I understand that. I understand that whole mentality. It, it, exactly. And it was 
this point of where, and I still remember I, they took me the last thing because they were like, they tried the clinical thing. They tried the psychology thing. They tried all of these things. And they finally were like, you know what? Let's just start taking him to these natural paths. Let's take him to some iridologist. So I was at a 14 year old. I was going to iridologist. She was reading my eyes and all these things and trying to get me, basically begging me to eat and begging me to do things and break out of that fear that I had, that fear of going back to what, I was, even though at that point, I never knew what I was. Were you eating um, only protein? Because since you were so far thinking ahead anyway, were you eating somewhat of a keto diet? Like how were you doing it at age 12, 13? Yeah, looking at it right now, I had cut out everything from my life besides um, extremely mm. lean proteins, such as chicken, ground turkey, and white fish only. Um, and then... Uh, vegetables and fruit that was so eating like a bodybuilder basically um and without, but not even carbs except for the fruit and that's it correct but also just like such little quantity like uh, if i go back to the total input of food it was it really came down to i mean again i i don't know i wasn't tracking anything it was just i was doing things without the experience or understanding as to why. But I under but I was but I had read and was into enough of this that I had just enough information to be dangerous. <laughs> as a 12 year old, not yes. knowing the other aspects of life of like oh this could be long term damage. Exactly. Um, amazing. So were you able to put on muscle as well because of the lack of but then again you're eating a lot of protein and you're also in growth spurts. So it would probably be hard to measure, you know, where and the nutrition was lacking and for sure. And so what we started to see was I was a, I was extremely, extremely lean, like to, like to a point where, um, your six pack had a six pack. It, it, totally. But it was, it was skin and bone. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't defined muscle. It wasn't anything like that. And, um, what really transformed, there was two experiences I'll never forget. One was I went to, um, my parents have been continually trying to get me to change and help, help me to get to realize what I was doing. My, my dad actually um, did work from home for an entire year uh, just to be with me and make food for me that I wanted to make sure that I was eating something and to be oh. there and available, like, they, like support oh, beyond nice. the yeah. And, um, and it was a very okay. tough time. And, um, there was a, there was two, two distinct moments. One was I went to, uh, one of my coaches that had me at 12 years old, uh, was coaching me at 15 and he saw me walk in and he goes, Oh my God, Justin. And I was like, yeah, how are you? He goes, Oh my God, <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? Like, of course I'm fine. And that caused him, he called my mom and goes like, there is something happening. Like, how can I help? And so he played a major role in my next five years of my life, um, major role. And then the other event was um, my first training camp, uh, Western Hockey League. Um, I went to sign in and uh, they looked at me. They signed, signed in this 5'9 or 5'8, 135-pound 16 year old 15 year old 
and they thought somebody was playing a joke on them and put their kid brother up there, even though I was, <laughs> I was one of their, I was one of their players. Yeah. I was, I was their property that they had, that they had drafted and they were like, oh, sure. <laughs> and so those were the two moments that still stood out for me. And I went on that way with that same fear right up till about 17, where there was just an absolute switch. And it was as I, again, I got three or four mentors behind me that saw my drive, saw my dedication, saw the, the level of which I was performing even through this. And it completely changed the way in which I showed up and it continued to fuel my obsession of human performance. And this took me to, uh, I played junior hockey and then I went on a, got a hockey scholarship down to the US. That again, forged my passion, which I went right into movement science and um, with a minor in nutrition. From there, I got my master's degree in performance science and started taking doctorate classes in uh, performance science, all while um, signing my first professional contract. And um, it, it, tr it completely transformed me. And the moment that I was able to take data and application and truly understand what I was looking at and apply it back real life um, to me I started to understand that you know what it's not about the exercise that matters it's about the rest recovery that plays the massive role in optimizing who we are and changing what we do because I was overtraining by like an embarrassingly amount but I was also so dialed into my recovery I was getting eight, nine hours of sleep, of quality sleep every night. I was sleeping in cold environments. I was um, mastering my body temperature. I was ensuring my cortisol and uh, melatonin cycles were, were at least functioning. Were they balanced by any means? No. But just by, without knowing, I was doing things that were helping my recovery. That's why I was able to perform that way. There's no way. I look back, there is no way with what I was eating, how much I was doing, I should have ever been able to perform, let alone continue to just function on a day-to-day -day basis. Had you not known these forward thinking, almost hippie-like things. Completely. I mean, cryogenic showers, you, were, you said you, took, you were taking cold showers already too. Completely. It, it, re, it reignited my passion and fuel for wanting to know how I can help and develop these people along the way. And as I continue to do this, um, I retired and uh, stepped away as a player and still went in as a, as a coach and ended up working for three different NHL clubs um, and really started to focus on rest and recovery and the science and application behind it that changes and utilizes not just what the gurus are saying, because we all know the information that's out there. We all know the biohacking. We all know the new age things that are, that are occurring. But it takes me back to when I was a 13-year-old kid and just grabbing random things and trying to apply them to our lives. But we really have no idea or, any, or, or know whether we should have any business doing of those, any of those items. Take melatonin, for example. We've got people supplementing melatonin left, right, and center. But little do we know, we're actually supplementing a hormone in our body. And the adverse effects that that can have on our melatonin cortisol cycle, the effects that it can have on us long term from the quality of sleep that we're getting. And we start to learn the effects that, that, that sleep actually have on us in being able to stave off um, 
disease and uh, quality thought and uh, day to day breathing. You name it, everything. And it all comes back to being able to understand what your game is. And that's where that passion that um, I have today, even still, is to digest data and information and dig deep into what's actually going on with you as a person and then be able to apply it on a much greater level and and see it just transform us inside and out. But when you work with the NHL, I mean, just in any sports team in general um, on the pro levels, there's before COVID, of course, there's so much travel back and forth with different time zones. And then people are getting up at like three in the morning to play, you know, just there's to go train. How do you, with these athletes, with their schedules and with the, with the training programs, it's very hard to get eight or nine hours of sleep. And sometimes I feel as if, oh, I didn't get any sleep last night. I don't need any sleep. That's almost rewarded. Like, oh, you're such a go-getter. But no, that's not true. Three or four hours, a lot of people preach that. And it's not healthy. Would you it's agree? A, it's, a, it's such a great point, Anne, because um, even now I see that in the, in the corporate sector in which a lot of which we work um, with entrepreneurs, executives as well uh, as our professional athletes. It's this hustle porn culture that we live in where it's uh, not sleeping, grinding, prioritizing everything else over your sleep is seen as almost like a badge of honor yeah. rather than um, a key component to what it is that you do. And Absolutely. it comes back to it that a lot of people don't understand the connection, the mind body connection that exists between sleep and performance. And the moment that you start reading some of the studies that, I mean, the American College of Sports Medicine just came out with a study that um, said shift work. So I working saw that the same thing and they're more prone to cancer. Not only more prone to cancer, but it's equivalent to a carcinogen. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, you take a look at the effects of um, uh, the study that came out on uh, different blue light and how uh, it affects the way in which the uh, pituitary gland functions. And once we start affecting the way the pituitary gland functions, uh, it, it affects the melatonin cycle within our body. And then not only that, but we start to realize that melatonin lives in about uh, 400 times more quantity in our gut than it does actually from the pituitary gland. And so we start to see all these different relationships that come out. And the moment that we start to, I mean, I want everybody who's listening, like take one, just take a breath and pause, take a deep breath and remember back to a great night's sleep that you had, not 10 hours of sleep, but a sleep where you laid down, you went to sleep, you woke up in the morning, ready to jump out of bed. And if you don't have that, if you can't remember when that feeling was, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And we should not be in a place in which when we wake up in the morning, we're peeling ourselves off the pillow. And the first thing we're doing is grabbing that cup of coffee to get ourselves up. And then 
<laughs> we're taking another hit of espresso midday to keep ourselves going sugar, and then sugar, we're taking yeah. and then we're taking exactly and then we're taking melatonin to keep ourselves down um at night it, it, we're drug cycling it's, amphetamines with, with barbiturates basically whether it be natural or whether it be you know some people do take them but i'm exactly. in this day and age with a pandemic with people staying home and quitting their jobs like there it's it's and then homeschooling their kids and then the drops of income i can imagine the stress out there so we're going to need a lot more of justin and his wife in the future i i would in the very near future once people start to come back there's going to be some long-term mental effects damage and also i think of your hockey players if they're not sharp and if you weren't sharp playing you get knocked in the head you're not aware these nfl players if you're not getting sleep, there's, there's even driving. I feel like when I'm really tired and I drive, these blind spots, I barely pay attention and I'm driving in LA in a six, you know, six lane, 40, 95 miles an hour. I don't pay so attention. They did, a they did a study of all the highway patrollers and sure. uh, the amount of accidents that were created due to sleep deprivation were five times the number uh, due to um, uh driving under the influence, whether that be drugs or alcohol. And so you think about that in, the, in those terms, and it is absolutely wild. They, um, they did another study um, at, uh, uh, I forget what school it was, I believe it was at App State, and they took a look at the uh, effects of deep sleep deprivation on students. And students that were chronically sleep deprived um, were more likely to do poorly on tests and exams and also had four times the dropout rate um, from college as those who were uh, chronically abusing drugs and alcohol. I mean, the effects of, of uh, chronic sleep deprivation and chronic sleep deprivation can be quantified by less than five and a half hours of quality sleep a night. And I, I guarantee you, uh, you look at the numbers and the, the stats out there, there is more than 65% of Americans suffering from sleep deprivation. And we wonder why we're seeing this drastic increase in heart disease and cancer and stroke and uh, mental illness and depression and anxiety. It, it comes right back to these unhealthy ways and unhealthy cycles and habits in which we're engaged in. Well, look um, at the depression rates of some of these college kids. I mean, and especially I have a cousin who's top of his class in medical school. He never, ever, yeah. ever sleeps. And there, there have been other you know, issues with that. So it is hard. But then you have those people that sleep 10 hours a night. So where, where is that balance? And I think that probably everybody's different. Or would you say that from your studies, a normal human um, devoid of maybe the over high achieving, just like on an average level in America, would it be seven to eight? Yeah, so great question. Um, the answer, I as everything, it's, it always comes down to the individual. But oh, a lot yeah. of what I'm reading, a lot of the literature, a lot of everything that comes out there, is we all sleep in 90-minute cycles. So in those 90-minute cycles, we have four phases. We have what's called light sleep, slow-wave sleep, deep sleep or REM sleep, and awake cycle. So to go through all four phases takes 90 minutes. The difference between a high-quality sleeper, somebody who sleeps extremely well, and somebody who is deemed kind of like a sleep-deprived person is this time in which we stay in each phase. So somebody who's extremely, uh, who sleeps extremely well will spend more time in that slow wave and REM cycle, so stages two and three. Somebody who does not 
will spend more time in that light sleep, transition through stage two and three very quickly, and then go back through that wake cycle back into light sleep. And so what ends up happening is those people that spend a lot of time in stages two and three start to see more mental and physical restorative natures because that's where those properties start to happen. And getting back to your question is the studies are showing that 35 cycles per week are needed. So if you average that out, it ends up being about five cycles per night. So it ends up equates to 90 times five is seven and a half hours. So nobody can really catch up on sleep. There's really no such thing. Oh, I'll catch up on the weekend. So there's, it's actually not true. You can actually accumulate uh, and make up from sleep debt and you can actually As sleep. long as you get that 35 cycle. Process exactly. In. And so that's where we come down to the types of naps that you're going to be getting is you want to try and uh, again, and we'll, we can get into the uh, cortisol melatonin cycles and the balancing of those rhythms and how those play into everything. But if you're getting into, say, for example, you're sleeping an average of five cycles per night, so seven and a half hours, and you're mapping it backwards. This comes back to where we're saying planning is the biggest thing that you can do when it comes to sleeping. So if you're going to get up at 6 a.m. every morning and that's your goal, well, let's count back seven and a half hours. That's five full cycles. Thus, we want to be sleeping and in bed by approximately that 1030 mark. Sleeping. So shut the computer off, turn the lights down. Start, and do so. Going right back into that, literally taking it out of your mouth, is we then have this three, two, one rule where three hours before bed, we want to eliminate any type of food going into the body, like any type of major meal, because again, that puts us in a stressful state. Uh, Two hours before bed, we want to eliminate any type of um, sympathetic uh, stimulus that's going to be coming in. So any type of work, any type of workout, any type of... um, Uh, again, our body doesn't know the difference between mental, physical, spiritual, emotional sleep. So we want to try to avoid all those sympathetic stimulating activities two hours before bed. And then lastly, one hour before bed, we want to eliminate all blue light from, um, uh, from our environment. And uh, a lot of people are like, well, how can I eliminate blue light if um, I'm on my phone, on my computer? There's a lot of different ways. Um, uh, One is just simply putting it away (laughs) and engaging in a conversation with a person or engaging in um, uh, sex or engaging in reading a book or something to the sense of that's equal or greater to the value that... um, being on those blue light uh, causing agents would cause. Like uh, you just can't cut a cold turkey because uh, our brain utilizes it. It's the dopamine factor. It's that. Justin, you mentioned, and you mentioned sex on that. Uh, Is it, is it different for men and or women? I feel like men will be much more tired. Whereas a woman afterwards will be much more stimulated. Is there a difference in the hormonal levels of that? To be honest, there is not. And that's what's amazing is I know it's stereotypical uh, (laughs) to think think that, oh, guy's done, nap time. (laughs) Sure, sure. But but what ends up happening, um, this is why in females there's this sense of touch, is because they have such a heightened stimulus in a different way than men, when you're able to now create that touch and bond and that cuddling after, per se, it again, increases that parasympathetic stimulation within the body that allows that uh, the female also to relax uh, at a greater sense as well. So it, again, oxytocin, that's like an oxytocin. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Interesting. 100%. That's why some women like to cuddle. Not all of us. 
<laughs> Correct. And it also <laughs> then it also then brings back um, it resets that melatonin cortisol cycle, which I'll get into in a second. Um, and there's a couple ways in which we can do that both naturally and artificially as well. Oh, um, awesome. But the uh, but going back to that blue light right before um, we can we can utilize uh, blue light blocking glasses. Um, we can utilize, uh, again, on our phones, uh, there's something, if you've got an Apple phone, it's called night shift, um, right in the settings there. Uh, if you go have an Android phone, there's an app called twilight, um, that you can utilize. Uh, the, sun, the sunrise sunlight alarm clocks. It, exactly. Yep. Curtains, everything. Yep. You can, uh, if, it, if you're using a desktop computer, there's something called flux, um, that you can download. It's a free download and it can, again, eliminate all the blue light from uh, everything that, uh, that you're doing. Um, so again, all these things that will help uh, to eliminate the blue light before you go to bed. Quick stat is for every hour um, of blue light that you're uh, admitted to, you are suppressed 30 minutes of uh, melatonin secretion. So if you're trying to go to bed at uh, call it 1030 and you're watching TV right up until 1030 with no blue light blocking or anything, you've now accumulated, um, if you watched it for two hours, you've now accumulated an hour uh, of melatonin deprivation prior to going to sleep. So it just, again, is a f everything that we're surrounded with is just affecting us in such grave ways. And I did see a study that melatonin levels are so important in fighting off COVID. I mean, I can't really quote that because it's a dangerous thing to quote. But that was, that was um, I've heard that like in three or four different places. So. And again, it may not be directly, but what it could be is because of what melatonin does for us and helping us go to sleep and the practices that do end up occurring neurologically and systematically within our bodies as we're sleeping from an uh, immune function uh, supporting standpoint. Because it all works together. It's like a factory. If one part 100%. is broken down, it all comes down. So when you talk to your, your NHL players about this, and I'd yeah. like to know how you went from coaching into the corporate as well. Um, yeah. And first of all, who did you play for in the beginning and who have you played for? So I was uh, in the American League for the Columbus Blue Jacket system uh very briefly and then my first opportunity coaching uh, was with columbus and then from there uh went to washington and then finally ended up uh with the anaheim ducks oh amazing okay right close to here so you lived in anaheim or did you just travel to work with the players no i was uh was right in anaheim was what was between san diego and anaheim i uh, was i was in anaheim we were in uh Tuscan. the oc oh sure um right and uh, uh yeah it was, it was i mean come on can you complain with 75 and sunny year round <laughs> i know i i mean i live it and it's unbelievable i do not take a day for granted that's for sure although we have overcast weather now which i absolutely love and it's been raining but um working with these hockey players are they pretty in tune to what you're saying because a lot of them you know they're in the league they're full of piss and vinegar they want to party I'm, I'm not stereotyping but i've you know, I, I'm, I come from professional sports as well. It's fun. Who wants to hear, you know, Justin come in and saying, well, you need to sleep. Okay, dad, you know, yeah. but you've been there too. Did you, did you get some feedback on that and with, with some of the coaches? But then again, they probably saw a difference in their performance unless they were like you and an anomaly. And that's such a great question. And the younger, the, the younger generations coming up, 
they're so ingrained in information and they want to know more stuff about themselves. They want to know why things are happening. Uh, You've seen this in every aspect, not just at, uh, not just being able to apply it to the NHL guys, but um, even in kids growing up and now in like the, in the schools is you have so much information technology and stuff available to you. you. Want to know why it's no longer okay for an authority figure to say, Hey, Anne, I want you to do this. Well, you're going to look at somebody and go, why? Like, why should I do this? Tell me why I should do this. So that's why when you know I'm, well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's why when I'm sitting here and I, I know it sometimes seems like, oh my God, oh, information overload. But if you're able to start walking people through, hey, I, I'd love you to wear these blue light blocking glasses at night. Well, why? Well, because what happens with blue light emission is our body isn't used to it. It's artificial light. It actually simulates the sun. And when we were in uh, long ago, when our ancestors were, when the sun went down, that's what we had to do with. We only had firelight, which was really yellow, red, and orange light. And that's why that never affected our sleep cycles and circadian rhythms. And when the light was gone, we went to sleep. But now that's not there. And so they, oh, I get it. Oh, so this is why when I wake up after a plane ride and we've been, we're coming home after a game and we land at uh, 11 o'clock at night or one o'clock in the morning, I'm groggy. And then when I go to sleep, I have trouble sleeping. And when I wake up, I'm still exhausted. Yes, exactly. Because there's this thing called the melatonin cortisol cycle that happens. And because they're inverse, they have an inverse relationship on one another. If melatonin is high, cortisol is low. If cortisol is high, melatonin is low. Yeah. So we start to feel like this. They start to put A and B together, and they start to say, "Okay, great, Dad, can I have more information, please?" Right. <laughs> and and they and they start to like feed on it, and they start to get down really into the these cycles. And um, we had, I mean. Uh, right my, my last year we had guys um, and I mean we were fortunate we're in uh, California but uh, we had the morning routines of guys they were waking up every day um, with it uh, around that seven and a half hour mark again we would we would time it based upon when they were going to bed um, but when they'd wake up the first within 30 minutes they had to do three things they had to go for a walk so they had to move they had to do they had to ground themselves. So they had to have their feet on the earth and then they had to have sunlight exposure to uh, their skin. And those were the three things we had to do. And just by doing that, you were immediately able to reset the cortisol cycle in the body and immediately be able to feel energized by again, three very simple things that helped reset that cortisol melatonin cycle for them naturally. Even before we had to, start supplementing anything or do anything in a unique way. And because we were tracking all of them through um, heart rate and uh, uh, HRV and sleep trackers, we were able to see quantitatively the increase in quality of sleep, the increase in REM sleep, the increase in slow wave sleep, and the uh, increase in HRV, which was obviously means that there's a uh, decrease in sympathetic overload on the body and a decrease in stress, uh, stress hormone. That's amazing. So those three things, again, are being grounded, yep, moving, being grounded. and being exposed to the sun. And that's what anybody, any normal human can do just to start the day off. Now, um, my, my curiosity minutes. is with the circadian rhythms. I had a huge injury and um, I'm, not, I, I'm not able to get up at my usual extremely early morning thing because I, I can barely move and it hurts so badly. 
I have succumbed to going to bed at 4 a.m. That's when I'm tired. That's when I start to get tired. And I hate this. I hate going to, but I am like super energetic. And I, I, I kind of like, well, I'm going to forgive myself. Right now I'm going through this transition. I can barely work out, which is another whole other game. But um, I, this is what I have right now. And I'm not going to judge it because then I actually do get sleep. If I try to wake up earlier, my leg hurts so badly, I can't even get out of bed. So can I reset that circadian rhythm? Because my mom's like, you might want to try to start going to bed early. I just can't. It, there's no way. And that's when I get my work done. I am like the most productive between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. And, but I got to forgive myself right now. And so a lot, you've got obviously this external or this extenuating circumstance that, um, that is playing there. And, mm -hmm. um, I'd love to look at even a couple more things within you, like, um, your genetic predisposition, whether you are naturally, uh, more of a night owl or a morning lark, because, uh, genetically there's things that are predisposed in each one of us that, um, our rhythms are either push to be more of a nighttime person or more of a morning person. And once we're able to start, and, and this is why, again, just taking information for face value and what it is and what you read it in a magazine or an expert said it, it becomes so dangerous because it's not all created equal. And the moment that we try to start implementing something that worked for somebody else because they knew more information about themselves and were able to thus create this um, conclusion and then apply it to their life doesn't mean that that conclusion or that application is going to register the same type of result with you. And so that's where that this new age version of personalized medicine and um, uh, bioindividuality comes in and is really, really important. So even coming, like I said, back to the question that you asked is, yeah, there are a lot of things that we can do to help reset because I guarantee you your cortisol melatonin cycle is all out of whack. Yeah. Um, I, I guarantee I, I would want to start asking questions about your caffeine intake. I would want to start asking about your sleep environment. I would want to start an alpha. All of it's very stimulating. And the fact that I can't sure. work out, I'm like nuts in my head. So yeah. I, it, 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 it radiates everywhere, but I'm working on it, but it's like, it's not easy, not easy going from like high athletics to totally. what happens. And I, and so I guarantee you the other thing that you probably have going on as well is a massive level of sympathetic overload chronically throughout the day. And so because, and you might just want to try this, but, um, because our body is, uh, magnesium is a stress reducing, um, uh, vitamin mineral. It's 95% of us are deficient in it. And so anytime that we feel something stressful throughout the day, it's utilizing and sucking magnesium out of our body. But magnesium is also necessary for the production of melatonin. Okay. I take a double so, dose every day because I was low on my blood of, levels. Of magnesium? Yep. Of magnesium. Mm -hmm. So what I would actually try is right before you want to try to start winding down is to actually use a spray, magnesium spray right on your forearms. And what will actually start to happen, I mean, maybe you do it three or four times a day, um, because if we take it orally, it uh, actually is, it could cause some major um, diarrhea issues and sure. upset stomach and uh, internal um, microbiome issues, is if we take it through a spray, 
it actually starts working immediately. And because you're in such a chronically sympathetic state, I guarantee you're getting so much uh, magnesium sucked out of your body. You're probably so deficient that this could be, again, a little hack that could help um, in subjectivity to everything else that we Interesting. have. Interesting. I thank you for that. Is it almost like a barking dog and you spray it in the face with water? Is it kind of like that? Exactly. Cool. Exactly. Like Quaalude. Quaalude spray. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and I'm super hyperactive anyway, so that would be wonderful. That's a yes. great tip, and I appreciate that. And that's someone. That's something that people could incorporate as well. What a great great thing. Now, um, I, I'm very curious on your own training and nutrition now, especially now that we, where you went through orthorexia, which I just did a podcast on that two weeks ago on orthorexia being the one where you don't eat anything that's not clean. However, it's not, it's not bulimia or anorexia, um, which yeah. is, it, which is distinctly different, but, um, how do you, are you still so super aware and hyper aware of everything that goes in your mouth? And have you seen these tendencies with hockey players at all? And not, it's you not as what? usual in men. It's, it's not as usual in men. It usually goes very undetected. A lot of times just simply because we're able to. Um, Except in the bodybuilding sector. Exactly. And, and we're able to, but we're, but we're also able to hide it a little bit better because we've got a bigger frame usually. Yep. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect things as much. So um, that, so, but yet it doesn't mean that we don't struggle with it. We don't struggle with body image issues. We don't struggle with all those things. It, it's, it's a, it, it, it does not discriminate by sex. Um, and so those types of things, yeah, we've definitely gone through them and, and it's very easy to create a complex in, in, in anybody. But to get back to your question is I'm, I'm extremely focused on and much more in tune with how my body feels by now and being much more conscious about it by being able to apply it in a very healthy way. To your performance uh, levels. Do you exactly. ever look at your, do you ever just take DEXA scans just to make sure that your body fat's a certain level? Or are you just, again, based on performance, based on how I feel, I'm not going to obsess about it. it I, I have not... I've not measured body fat. I've never not measured any of these things. When I was a player, that was something that our managers, that's something that all of these people come back to is this measure to measure fitness is body fat. And I'm not going to debate whether it's right or wrong. It's a big controversy, like BMI (laughs) compared to body fat compared to DEXA. But at the end of the day, I want to know a couple of things. If, and again, it comes down to this in, in simplicity but if you're doing the right things, if you have figured out genetically and epigenetically what your body needs to take in from a nutritional standpoint on vitamin and mineral and micro mineral deficiency, yeah. you are going to feel a lot better through and through. So I focus on um, my micro more than my macronutrient profile. I focus a lot more on my sleep and I focus a lot more on my hydration. And what I am doing with those three things is I'm then making sure that my brain is getting exactly what I need. And if I do not get those things, there's a couple items that I start to notice is my, I I get extremely short fused. Um, My level of clarity and my ability to speak, my articulate uh, nature goes away and um, my ability to sleep goes away. And I, I sleep incredibly well. 
I lay down, I have a routine that I have set, um, kind of that three, two, one rule I talked to you about, no food three hours before I go to bed. Uh, I usually have a protein shake before I go to bed. That's been shown to, again, increase recovery levels uh, right before. Um, Two hours before bed, no more uh, type of heavy stimulating work. And one hour before bed, no blue light. And I lay down, I read a book and I'm asleep every night by 9.30 and I'm up every day by five. That's amazing. Um, have you read the book TB12 by Tom Brady? He talks oh, yeah. all about that. And, you know, he goes to bed at nine, wakes up at six every morning, does not skimp at all. Then again, yeah. he's got amazing doctors, chefs, everything. But there's a reason he's the goat. There's sure. a reason he's the best. He follows your types of protocols and also doesn't touch strawberries. And um, and I thought it was interesting. It was the it was the sh- it was the light shades, the peppers. Doesn't yep. touch the light shades. What night night shades? Night shades. What, yep. There we go again. What? <laughs> Why is that? There's some kind of a... So the nightshades are actually very, um, they create inflammation within the body. That's what and it so, is. Okay. Uh, and so obviously we know inflammation in any type of... Uh, All stem. three colors? I've heard that like, I've heard that the red and yellow are much better. No? Uh, they, they are better, but they will still create inflammation. And okay. inflammation, anytime there's inflammation present, um, it's going to obviously create uh, different type of reactions, different type of... Uh, a lot of people that have um, what we call uh, uh, seasonal allergies, uh, that's, they're mess. created from nightshades. And, and so, cruciferous, I feel like that produces a lot yep. of inflammation as well and, and exactly. allergic reactions. Well, very interesting. Um, when, you met, when you met your girlfriend and now, now she's going to be your wife, did you have to, um, was she kind of like, oh, you're crazy? you know, or she sort of matching your whole, but then again, you guys work together now and, and preach the same message. But was that hard to get someone else to match that? Or you so, have to find a balance, I'm sure. Definitely. I mean, and this is the thing that I love how you're bringing this up and conducting the interview here and bringing this holistically around is there's no, there's no level of perfection. And I, you cannot screw this up this is what I want to really let people know is you, you can't go and have a drink one night or a glass of wine with your significant other and say, Oh, I've just ruined everything because I've had this. Or uh, you can't push away from pizza night on a Thursday and watch a movie late into the evening. Cause you're like, Oh, it's going to trigger everything up. That, that's not the, it's, it's not true because it all comes back to what do you do? 90% of the time, what are your habits that you rely on that then allow you the freedom to do the other 10%? And it's feeling good about those things and making sure that what you're doing is being done for you. So to answer your point or to answer your question is when we first started dating and started to get uh, across to a lot of this stuff is um, I didn't... Uh, I didn't have to change all that much about myself and she didn't have to change all that much about her because we still value each other for the habits in which we have. And we've both decided to share in those habits equally in, in different ways. It's, it's, it's extremely uh, valuable that we both um, value our sleep incredibly well. So um, our sleep cycles are uh, right on point with each other. Um, Do we eat a little bit differently? Sure. Um, do, does she dabble in a little bit more of the wine than I do for sure? But, um, she comes from the fashion world. You've got it. Definitely. <laughs> but, uh, but at the same time, you find this way to create a balance that, um, 
that allows you to know, hey, you know what? I, I'm going to divulge into this. And when I do have my wine, I also match uh, every glass of wine I have with two glasses of water. Why? Because that's just what I know my body needs in order to enhance my hydration level to make sure that when I wake up, my sleep cycles are still on point. And, and Justin, I everything you're saying is all about sustainability. Every exactly. diet, every single habit that we, that we are forced down, it's sustainability. An overweight person can't just start a keto diet and expect to lose 25 pounds. It's got to be sustainable. Take in, take out what you can, make little steps and changes. Walk 30 minutes a day, 10, minute, 10 minutes by three. Just if you're that, if, if you can't exercise, then build up. What you're talking about is, is something that's within grasp. And like you said, if you're doing 90% of the habits, but just incorporating little things here and there, you're almost there. So I think that that's a great message because having to be shoved down the throat of like, you know, you have to sleep this much time and, and people are retaliating. Well, Justin, I, my schedule doesn't allow for it. Well, you seem like to be a very good approachable you know, master of, of this, of this um, expertise in coaching your clients. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, and it's one of those things where it's, it's come with a lot of understanding of how people operate. It's come with understanding a lot of the, um, the things that people go through is we don't, to diet is, it should be utilized as a, a verb, which is to eat food. <laughs> not as something that noun. is restrictive and right. exactly a noun and holds us back. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the time when we talk about, and we hear about these gurus and these biohackers and everybody kind of diving into these things nowadays is it's not grabbing the next cool thing that comes about. It's not grabbing the next uh, fad that comes about, but rather sitting back on, I consider myself a little bit of a, uh, a scientist, a little bit of a, um, uh, case study guy, experimenter, uh, but also somebody who has a vast amount of experience actually applying it to their lives. Yep. And, uh, and learning how to do it the wrong balance. way. Yeah. Yep. Understanding how to do it the wrong way, but then also understanding what it looks like doing it the right way. Absolutely. And, and Justin, do you think, I think sometimes biohacking can be dangerous when they're not like you, just like the point that you just made. For example, did you see the guy that, that, um, he, he boiled mushroom tea, put the psilocybin into his veins and the mushrooms were growing inside of him. He was, he was self-diagnosing. You've got to look it up. It's, it's unbelievable. He, I, I think he went toxic, jaundice. He nearly died. He was in the, in the ER for like days and days and days. But he, but he basically boiled the tea with the psilocybin, psilocybin mushrooms and injected it like heroin over and over and over again. I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me. There's all yeah. this type of stuff going on. And but you're smart about it. You have the experience and the knowledge and the when to stop. You're not going to ingest, you know, some idiotic Lysol because of COVID, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, it, you're, you're exactly right. And it comes, but it also comes down to because everything I've done has been grounded in science. Yeah. Everything I've done has been grounded and rooted in data and something tangible, something that's actually rooted that I can, that I can feel. I mean, I've you got, ask why. Um, you ask why over and over again, and then try to counteract and try to argue it and, and see what's best for you with sustainability. So completely. it's amazing. Um, your goals going forward, how can we support you and how can people find you properly? And whether they come from athletics or, the, or corporate America, you work with everybody and 
the mix of the two of you working together, where she comes from corporate America, you coming from sports to corporate America, I believe that you can relate to anybody, I think. It's, uh, I love that, Anne. And, and to be honest with you, we've got a, uh, we've got a vast global growing community that's um, so supportive of one another. Um, I think what I love most about the ONIT community is that everybody involved is an extremely high performing individual, people who want to grow, people who want to be them, be better versions of themselves. I hate it's, it's such a cliche line, but it, it is, they want to be better versions of themselves. And when it's hence how we, we met on, on clubhouse. Correct. And yeah. it, you're exactly right. And what I love to do is I love to be able to be able to do this at a, very large level and be able to empower people in an environment that is positive and extremely um, encouraging to others because this space can be so intimidating. It can be something that is uh, unknown. It can be something that is scary. It can be something that is, uh, I don't know how to do this. And when you're surrounded by people who are exactly like you, extremely high performing, extremely successful, um, extremely um, overachieving. People, overachieving people, but yet feel like there's more. Know that there's a group out there waiting for you to, to have deep conversation about that, there's, uh, that they're willing to really dive into. I mean, Elise's uh, tagline that she always uses is empowering conscious leaders to energetically use their untapped talents to positively change themselves and the world. And it's the same aspect of what we talk about from my other side is uh, enhancing conscious leaders through sleep and energy transformation to ultimately impact and change the world. What a so great balance. It's, it's that inner outer energy down. combination yeah. that, that we utilize in a very unique way um, by combining both the sexy elements and the not so sexy elements of, uh, of deep inner uh, energy work to use data and bio-individuality to make nutrition, hydration, sleep, recovery, uh, mindset work that is typically just blah and here you go, do it, be now very tailored to you that has a purpose and actionable step um, towards it. Absolutely. And you mentioned the word sexy, which I think is, it really epitomizes you and Elise because it is sexy. You can literally talk about how your sex life affects maybe the circadian rhythms or the melatonin levels and, and doing the three, two, one method and winding down. And you're relatable because it's not easy. Marriages are not easy. Uh, relationships are not easy. So you may have couples coming to you or they, you know, they're both coming from corporate America or whatever, and you can really verbalize and understand with them. Um, granted, you have a, a probably maybe a better relationship than many of these people, but it's more relatable because you guys can put yourself inside and outside of the couple because you've obviously been independent most of your life before you came together. So it's a little bit of both. And I wonder also, I look at the long-term effects potentially of children, especially being in Zoom school and being away from classmates, unbelievable. They can't even be in sports. What are the long-term effects that they're going to have uh, besides the sleep cycles and the mental health? So I think that your space, you should maybe open another division for, for juveniles and children. 
I mean, plus you were a child struggling with so many adult issues and able to handle it at 12 and 13. I, I bless your wonderful parents. Imagine if you didn't have parents that cared or had the means to stay home with you and help you cook meals and take you to these expensive doctors. So I think that you guys, the sky's the limit with your business and we will certainly support you and I'll put everything in the notes section um, with that. So it's, I, I commend you guys. It's a very, very important business right now. No, and I, I appreciate that so much. And that's um, really just what we love to, we love to do. And, and you're exactly right is uh, I, I fear for a lot of the, um, the children that are out there. And this is why not just empowering them but also empowering the parents in which they're yeah. doing this with is it's not just going to help you people that are 20 30 40 50 years old it's helping the the five six seven eight nine 14 year olds who are at home on zoom school and there you can start putting in some of these boundaries instituting some of the um the the night shift blue light emitters uh on um the things that they're utilizing and and just learning some of these things. I mean, uh, Elise and I have a, uh, an ebook and a, a Master Your Wearables course um, that's just free downloadable on justownit.co um, that you can go to, grab it. Um, there's a whole bunch of free resources and articles on there. Um, I'm very active through my social media, so is Elise. Um, uh, always willing to have a conversation, always willing to get on podcasts, always willing to open up and have these discussions. We've got a podcaster herself that I saw um, that. That's cool. Utilize. So there's, we're just trying to empower people through through conversation, organic conversation that uh, allows us to build relationships with people to, uh, again, like we said, um, enhance and empower. Uh, conscious leaders to uh, use their gifts longer to change the world. Wonderful. And I think doctors and nurses, the medical field in general, after all this is over, can you imagine how much help they're going to need? And even oh. the mental health workers that are helping them, they're going to need help. I mean, I just, everything you're saying, um, and I will put everything about you guys in the notes and then any other, any, and any products that you recommend and, and I'll put that in the notes as well. So I really appreciate you coming on today. What a, what a pleasure. And to have an NHL strength coach, again, nerding out. I, I grew up in Minnesota and Wisconsin, and I went to the University of Minnesota, which is huge for hockey. Go so, Gophers. Well, Justin, thank you so, so very much. You were wonderful. Oh, thank you, Anne. It was a pleasure. And that was former pro hockey player Justin Rothenschofer and his Own It coaching business. You can find all of his useful links in the podcast notes. Please stay tuned in next week where I'll uncover all the pros and cons of the popular 75 Hard Challenge. We appreciate you for listening and please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. You can also listen on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Luminary, Tuned In, or at Believe.com. You can reach out to me for any questions or topics you'd like covered on the show at Ann McDaniels. And I'll see you next time on So Cal. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E. 
AV on YouTube.